Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's always going to be consequences for opposing people in power. These are risks worth taking. When I came forward, it changed the law. I'm Mehdi Hassan. Welcome to Deconstructed. My guest today is the NSA whistleblower, Edward Snowden. Yes, the man himself, who became a global household name almost exactly five years ago. He joins me from Moscow to talk about everything from privacy and Facebook to Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump. I think people are asking for too much when they hope that the Mueller investigation is going to come up with kind of a smoking gun and say, yes, Vladimir Putin, Donald Trump in the hotel room with the piss tape. Life is not that simple. So this week, the Edward Snowden interview. Breaking news tonight reports that through a secret court order, the Obama administration is collecting the phone records of millions of Verizon customers. It was June 2013, and I remember reading the breaking story on the Guardian website about the NSA, the National Security Agency, collecting the phone records of millions of innocent, unsuspecting Americans. It's a program that's been known as PRISM. And I remember thinking, this is huge. This is going to be a big Big deal. The NSA has called for a criminal investigation to determine who exactly is behind these leaks. Now, I am here. They didn't have to wait too long to find out. Uh, my name is Ed Snowden. I'm uh, 29 years old. I work for In an instant, Edward Snowden became one of the most famous, one of the most wanted people on earth. And in the years since, he hasn't become any less controversial, any less divisive. For some, like myself, he's a hero. Mr. Snowden, whom I regard as an American hero and a very great patriot. I mean, he's done a great service because uh, he's, t- he's telling the truth. Snowden played a very important role in educating the American people. For others, he's a villain who needs to be punished. This is a man who has done great damage to his country. I think he's a total traitor, and I would deal with him harshly. My view is that Snowden committed treason, he ought to be convicted of that, and then he ought to swing from a tall oak tree. It's exactly five years this week since Edward Snowden left Hawaii, left his comfortable life in Hawaii for Hong Kong, beginning a journey of leaking and whistleblowing and truth-telling that ended up with him in exile in Russia, dubbed the most wanted man in the world. Today, there's a different president in the White House, but the issues of surveillance and privacy, of mass data collection, not just by the government, but by big tech firms like Facebook, are still as live and as contentious as ever. And Edward Snowden, who remains holed up in Moscow, is still passionate about those issues, about righting wrongs, as I discovered when I caught up with him via the internet for this Deconstructed special. Edward Snowden, thanks for joining me on Deconstructed. It's a pleasure to be with you. Snowden's leaks helped expose the astonishing reach of the US government's global and crucially domestic surveillance programs. They helped start a new and much needed conversation about digital privacy and online security and even led to changes in the law. But more recently, we've discovered it isn't just big government that poses a massive threat to our privacy, but also big tech 
Facebook, for example, exposed data on up to 87 million Facebook users to a researcher who worked at Cambridge Analytica, a political consultancy employed by the Trump campaign. It was a huge, huge scandal. So I started off by asking Edward Snowden, is privacy dead? No, and I think this is the the thing that is really taken out of context by politicians uh, and all of these uh, corporate powers that are working to use that as a justification to extend and further the abuses that we've seen in the last decade or so. When you look at the polling on all of these different issues, and you ask young people particularly, you know, do you care about privacy? They actually seem to care more than older generations because this affects their lives every day. They understand what it means to make a mistake have someone with a smartphone in the room and then have it haunt you for the rest of your time in you know, high school or at college or, or whatever. There is this feeling of powerlessness that, that's surrounding all of us every day on this issue because we see that we're being abused. People openly admit that they're abusing us. You know, Mark Zuckerberg in front of Congress uh, is is talking about this quite unashamedly. So, for example, the messages that people send um, is something that we collect in order to operate the service. And the question is, is it really true that there's nothing we can do about it? That congressional hearing in April, with Mark Zuckerberg all dressed up in suit and tie, facing down a long line of irate senators, produced a lot of headlines, mostly about how well the Facebook CEO had acquitted himself and how ignorant those rather crusty legislators were about the inner workings of the social media giant. But it also included a few disturbing and quite revealing moments. Uh, There have been reports that Facebook can track a user's internet browsing activity even after that user has logged off of the Facebook platform. Can you confirm whether or not this is true? Um, Senator... I, I want to make sure I get this accurate, so it would probably be better to have my team follow up. So you don't afterwards. know? Um, I know that the people use cookies on the internet. That exchange between Mark Zuckerberg and Republican Senator Roger Wicker caught Edward Snowden's eye. He even tweeted about it at the time, saying, and they call me a criminal? Uh, I'm not saying that he's violated the law in terms of statute. I'm saying that he's violated the values, uh, the very understanding of what it means Uh, to be part of American society, right? This is nakedly exploitative. And maybe there are some people who are all rah-rah capitalism say that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be the Exxon Valdez out there slaloming around, you know, rocks. Doesn't matter what the risks are. Doesn't matter who gets harmed as long as you make money, right? Uh, But I think we're a part of something bigger. And I think he knows that, right? Mark Zuckerberg is not an idiot. We're here to build things that bring people together. When you say at Facebook, you know, we're only collecting this, we're only collecting that, you're a part of our Facebook family. The vast majority of what happens on these services is people getting closer to the people they care about, even when time or distance get in the way. And at the same time, he's spying on what you do, right? Not just out at the block party. (laughs) Everything that they could get access to on your phone They were stealing, and they weren't saying, are you sure you want to send this to Facebook? They were just taking it. In recent years, Snowden has made it his mission not just to educate people on how to protect their own privacy, but also to create new tools to help them do it. 
One such app is called Haven, developed by Snowden in conjunction with the Freedom of the Press Foundation, which the former NSA contractor has been president of since 2016. Haven takes all the surveillance power of a mobile phone, an Android phone to be specific, all the cameras and microphones, and repurposes them, allowing you to detect intrusions into your home, your office, your hotel room, by people who might be trying to physically access your data. Uh, let's say you're traveling uh, for business. As you're going through someplace like China, if you could leave basically a sacrificial uh, old device behind, and it just watches the room for you. If you put the do not disturb sign on the door, but the maid walks in, instantly you get an alert. When we're looking at this problem of privacy today, uh, and these spaces are being shrunk by governments, they are being shrunk by corporations. When we talk about Haven as an app, what we're talking about is, can we start to protect some of these through new means, right? The same technologies that have been used uh, against us uh, to kind of erode the rights that we enjoy in our daily lives. Can we use them to enforce them? Snowden, of course, is well aware of the irony of his situation, that he's working to promote individual privacy and government accountability and transparency while living in one of the world's most authoritarian states. The fact that he took refuge in Russia has led many of his more vicious critics to speculate that he is some sort of agent of the Putin government. He was a puppet, in my opinion, for the Russians. Yeah. Just as what's going on with Assange. He's a puppet for we the Russians. We will never Russians. agree on this. I believe there's a reason he ended up in the hands, uh, the loving arms of an FSB agent in Moscow. Uh, I don't think that's a coincidence, number one. Your enemies here in the US have accused you of being ultra-critical of the US government, but soft on the Russian government, on President Vladimir Putin. And yet in March, I saw that you were on Twitter suggesting there'd been vote-rigging in the Russian presidential election. You even called on Russians to, quote, demand justice. More recently, you called the Russian government's attempt to crack down on the messaging app Telegram, quote, totalitarian. Now, from where I'm sitting, those were pretty bold, uh, ballsy, principled moves by you. But were they also foolish moves? Aren't you risking pissing off Putin and him then sending you back here to the US in a fit of rage? You know, yeah, there, there's definitely risks involved. And it's not a smart thing to do. Every one of my lawyers uh, tells me it's a mistake to keep criticizing the Russian government. They say, look, you've done enough. But that's not what I'm here for right? If I wanted to be safe, I never would have left Hawaii. I believe that this world can be better. I believe that this world should be better, but it's not going to get better unless we make it better. And that requires risk. That requires hard work that ultimately might require sacrifice. Uh, Donald Trump's going to be coming out to Russia, you know, uh, whenever he can, whenever uh, sort of politics will, will let him, because it seems clear that there's no one in this world he loves more than the Russian president. Uh, will he try to make some deal? Maybe. Can I do anything about it? No. But would I sell out my principles in order to try that to make that less likely? No. You just mentioned, I couldn't help but catch you when you said, uh, you know, does he love anyone more than the one? I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be chuckling there. Um, what is your take? I mean, you're someone who's out there in Russia. You've criticized both Trump and Putin. What is your take on this whole, did he, didn't he collude with Russia? I think people are, are asking for too much when they hope that the, the Mueller investigation is going to come up with kind of a smoking gun and say, yes, you know, uh, Vladimir Putin, Donald Trump in the hotel room with the piss tape. You know, that, that's, that's not how the world works. Life is not that simple. Uh, and to be honest, everyone who has heard Trump speak for three minutes knows he's a wrecking ball. This does not sound like the kind of person 
that you would want to engage in some kind of complicated Manchurian candidate plan when, you know, the guy can't even remember what he was going to say at the end of his sentence. That's a good point. He's, he's not great at keeping he secrets or, or shutting his mouth. Uh, right, right, right. Uh, but that doesn't mean yeah. that he didn't want to cooperate. That doesn't mean that he wouldn't do anything. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Thing to achieve an advantage. But I think we just need to be realistic about what an investigation can possibly find. Now, you might say that's Edward Snowden bending over backwards to be ultra fair to a man, to a president, who hasn't been very fair towards him. In fact, Trump wants to kill Snowden and says so openly. This guy's a bad guy. And, you know, there is still a thing called execution. Trump's new Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, has said the same thing. He should be brought back from Russia and given due process. And I think the proper outcome would be that he would be given a death sentence. Of course, if you're a member of the U.S. political or intelligence establishments and you break the law, you tend not to get prosecuted, let alone threatened with execution. How frustrating is it for you that you can't return to the U.S. and yet former CIA chief General David Petraeus, who leaked intel to his mistress, avoided prison, is now a senior fellow at Harvard. General James Clapper, director of, uh, former director of national intelligence, lied to Congress under oath, now a high-profile paid contributor at CNN. And Gina Haspel oversaw torture at a black site in Thailand, is director of the CIA. The double standards are pretty glaring and surely they must be pretty irritating for you. I think implying frustration or irritation, <laughs> you know, that, that would require surprise. <laughs> this is not a surprise to me. Uh, the awareness that these problems existed in our system, that these double standards were occurring between how the most powerful in our society are treated and how the ordinary people are treated is what drove me forward. Uh, it is certainly disappointing. And I think we all need to be honest as Americans uh, about the scale of the problem here. When we have people, uh, officers in government, uh, who are revealing information of critical public importance for the public's benefit, rather than for personal benefit, rather than to get a better book deal uh, like <laughs> these General Petraeus type individuals, and they end up 
hunted or thrown in prison for the rest of their lives, tortured, as in the case of Manning. And then <laughs> we have this other class that, as you say, gets a, a slap on the wrist in a speaking tour. Or a promotion in Gina Haspel's case to run the damn CIA. Right, right, right. She has admitted to managing an actual torture program. Uh, what does this say, not just uh, about the government of the United States, but what message does this send to every other government in the world about what is okay, what is permitted, what is not permitted? It used to be that these were the kind of decisions, these were the kind of programs and abuses that we used as kind of a moral wedge to distinguish yeah. the us and them, the good guys from the bad guys, You know, the, the shining city on the hill from the evil lurking behind the Iron Curtain. I guess the argument is the United States was never really that shining city on a hill, but at least it pretended in the past. Now it doesn't even pretend. Right. But this is this is really the question is, is it that it never existed? Is it that we were simply uh, mistaught and ignorant the whole time? Uh, or did we at least have a, a value? Did we at least try to be that? And now we're simply being more pragmatic, more utilitarian, and we've dropped the mask. For me, Snowden's actions were completely legitimate, even if not legal. He saw clear wrongdoing at the top of government, he tried to get it stopped internally, and when that didn't work, he exposed it to the world. He became a whistleblower. And yet so many liberals attacked him for doing so. And they attacked him, I believe, for partisan purposes. Because he went against the Obama administration. He went against their administration. In his first interview from Hong Kong in 2013, Snowden warned us about what might happen if this surveillance system, these spying tools, capable of hoovering up almost every detail of our lives, fell into the hands of a completely unscrupulous leader. A new leader will be elected, they'll flip the switch, and there will be nothing the people can do at that point to oppose it. Uh, and it'll be turnkey tyranny. And at the time, a lot of us shrugged, because the president was this guy. If you're a US person, NSA is not listening to your phone calls and it's not targeting your emails unless it's getting an individualized court order. Well, we're not shrugging now. I want surveillance of certain mosques, okay? If that's okay. I want surveillance. Do you think if a similar figure to yourself emerged today to leak against this administration, the Trump administration, in the same way you did five years ago. Do you think the response would be very different today? Because I suspect liberals would hail a 2018 version of Edward Snowden simply because Donald <laughs> Trump is president and we all hate Donald Trump. You're right. There, there's no doubt that uh, Obama as president got special treatment by the media. Um, but I don't think it's it's right to focus on drawing sort of uh, these these distinctions. We don't need any more red team, blue team in the United States. Mm. Uh, but as a practical matter, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, Donald Trump is the least popular, certainly, and arguably, actually, I think demonstrably, the least intelligent president we've had in the White House, uh, possibly since, uh, you know, we started tracking these kind of things. And if someone came forward with evidence uh, of the kind of crimes and abuses uh, that we saw in the 2013 revelations, I think they will never have a better moment uh, than they have now. You know, it's important to understand that when I came forward, I was not trying to bring down Barack Obama or the White House, the NSA or anything like that. I was actually trying to empower him. Uh, he campaigned on a platform of ending the kind of mass surveillance that he actually ended up extending, uh, expanding and entrenching. He was given, uh, sort of with a gift wrap and a bow, 
a mandate to deliver on all of those promises that previously might not have been possible to work through Congress. If today, given the fact that we have so many arch Republicans uh, saying, oh, surveillance is so evil because it's being done against us, were met and joined with Democrats uh, who, despite saying, oh, we're against uh, abuses of power, but we're going to extend uh, warrantless wiretapping programs and powers and give them to Donald Trump, the political climate might change in a historic way. What is your advice to someone who is sitting inside the NSA, the CIA, the Pentagon right now, who wants to leak classified information, who wants to highlight wrongdoing, potential criminality inside the government, but looks at what happened to you. You had to flee the country. You're living in Russia. You had to claim asylum there. You're threatened with execution by the president of the United States. They look at what happened to you and they're not sure what to do. What is your advice to such a person to do it, even if they've got a wife and kids, a life they don't want to give up? If you believe in something, you have to be willing to stand for something or you don't really believe in it at all. There's always going to be consequences for opposing people in power. Uh, and there's no doubt uh, that I've faced retaliation, as has every public interest whistleblower coming out of the intelligence community in the last several decades, going back to Daniel Ellsberg. But that doesn't mean it's not worth doing. Uh, these are risks worth taking. When I came forward, it changed the law. He's right. And he did change the world for the better. And this isn't some sort of fringe, far left or extreme libertarian or anarchist position. Establishment figures like former President Jimmy Carter, former Vice President Al Gore and Barack Obama's own former Attorney General Eric Holder all agree that what Snowden did was illegal, yes, but also important in the public interest and ultimately good for America and good for American democracy. Holder now says... I think that he actually... Um performed a public service by raising the debate that we engaged in and by the changes that, um, that we made. Yes, the changes. Remember, one federal judge called the surveillance techniques exposed by Snowden, quote, almost Orwellian and, quote, almost certainly unconstitutional. And shortly after that ruling, a panel of security experts tasked by then-President Obama with reviewing NSA surveillance practices made 46 different recommendations for change. So it's an absolute scandal, in my view, that Edward Snowden is still considered a traitor, still threatened with the death penalty, still having to live in exile in Moscow, thousands of miles away from his family, his friends, his country. And look, even if you think Snowden is a criminal and don't think he should be pardoned, which is what Jimmy Carter said he'd consider doing if he was still president, you surely have to admit that the punishment doesn't fit the crime. He's been living in fear, in exile, in isolation for five years now. To be clear, I'm not saying he should be made a paid pundit on CNN like James Clapper or a fellow at Harvard like David Petraeus or the head of the CIA like Gina Haspel. What I am saying is that he deserves to be allowed to just come home and at some stage be able to live his life freely. Call it a pardon. Call it clemency. Call it an amnesty. Call it a plea deal. I really don't care what we call it. Just let the man come home. Where do you think you'll be another five years from now? I don't know. I honestly don't know. You know, there were there have been so many times over the last five years where I've been sure that, <laughs> you know, things were going to change, that the people understood. Then uh, there were days where I was sure that nothing was ever going to change and status quo forever. But it's that uncertainty that actually gives me optimism, that gives me hope. You know, so many people look at the world today. They look at how broken and ruined things are uh, and they are just disempowered and, and lost. 
But what I want people to focus on is the fact that things changed, right? And if they can change for the worse, they can change for the better. Uh, and the only reason the world is changing for the worse is because bad people are working to make it happen that way. And if more good people are organizing, if we're talking about this stuff, if we're willing to draw lines that we will not allow people to cross without moving us out of the way, the pendulum will swing and I'll be home sooner than you think. Edward Snowden, I hope you're right. Thank you so much for taking time out to speak with us on Deconstructed. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. That was Edward Snowden speaking to me from Russia. And that's our show. Deconstructed is a production of First Look Media and The Intercept and is distributed by Panoply. Our producer is Zach Young. Dina Sayed Ahmed is our production assistant. Lital Molard is our executive producer. Our theme music was composed by Bart Warshaw. Betsy Reed is The Intercept's editor-in-chief. And I'm Mehdi Hassan. You can follow me on Twitter at Mehdi R. Hassan and tweet at the show using hashtag Deconstructed. If you haven't already, please do subscribe to this podcast so you can hear it every Friday. Go to theintercept.com forward slash Deconstructed or use your podcast platform of choice. If you're subscribed already, please do leave us a rating or review. It helps new people find the show. And if you want to give us feedback, email us at podcasts at theintercept.com. Thanks so much. See you next week. 